0: And welcome back in another edition, Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. We're coming audio style here today, Monday after the PGA Championship. And I'm not gonna not gonna lie here. Uh, I, I have I, I didn't think we'd be sitting here talking about Lefty Phil Mickelson, 50 year old, winning the PGA Championship. Now it takes nothing away from Phil. We know Phil. Is one of the all-time greats. He's in the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. But to go to Kiowa Island, the ocean course, and win considering the form that he was in, I'm still scratching my head. It makes zero sense to me, but yet here we are, sixth now, major championship, 45 total on the PGA Tour, and a guy that was right in the middle of the action uh, there. At the PGA Championship, Ryan Lavner with Golf Channel. He's driving back to Orlando, and he's going to be moving closer to me, and I can't wait. Lav, thanks for joining me, man.
1: Absolutely, Travis. Great to be with you.
0: You got to take us inside uh, the ropes there. I know you were were in the heat of it there on the 72nd hole. Everybody's running out to the fairway, just like when Tiger won the Tour Championship. It seemed like all this pent-up energy, They're like the hell with it. Here we go. Let's get out there. Let's get ourselves around Phil. And you were right in the middle of it. What in the world was that like?
1: Yeah. I mean, this was a moment that seemed like it was 14 or 15 months in the making. I mean, as you described it, there was just so much pent up energy from, from golf fans who have been starved for a major championship in this area for nine years and really golf fans in general for the past year, uh, ever since COVID hit us. And so, when Phil kind of made his way, kind of approaching the eighteenth fairway, I looked to my left along the rope line and I was headed there uh, with my inside the ropes credential. And all of a sudden a, a couple, a couple of bros just felt unboldened and they and they ducked under the rope line and started to make a run for it. And that wasn't entirely unexpected. You kind of saw that um, throughout the back nine, guys who've been overserved. Um and then they end up getting, you know, shooed away by either a marshal or some of the uniformed cops. Um, who were inside the ropes. But for whatever reason, uh, the cops who were who were walking along the group, and there was probably five of them, they were ill-equipped. They were underprepared. They were completely caught flat-footed. And so all of a sudden, those emboldened few turned out to be a dozen, and then that became hundreds, and eventually uh, that became thousands. And what was really a, a chaotic scene um, and, you know, Phil's still got to focus enough to, to hit his approach, at least on the green or, or, or near the green, to, to finish off this improbable PGA Championship victory. Um, but it certainly was a little bit unnerving. And now looking back, um, you know, 12, 24 hours later, um, it's one of the most unforgettable scenes uh, in, the, in the long history of the sport. Just um, a crowd... Kind of saluting their their favorite son. It was it was incredible to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I just sat there and I thought to myself, you know, this obviously feels like the Tour Championship when Tiger uh, got his win there and everybody just going crazy. And now here's Phil. I mean, is it is it fair to say, Ryan, that I mean, Tiger and Phil, even to this day, Tiger, uh, what forty four, Phil fifty, they're still the two biggest names in golf.
1: Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, I walked with a lot of the big name players this past weekend, the PJ Championship. I mean, everyone was there. You had 99 of the top 100 players in the world who were teeing it up in Kiva. You had you had Bryson, you had Jordan, you had Rory. I mean, I I walked I walked with them all. Brooks on on Sunday, and yet none of them draw the reaction that that Phil did. And I think there's there's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously there's just familiarity from him being around so long. There's a, certainly a showman aspect to his style of play. And he's quite frankly, just more engaging Mm -hmm. um, with, with the crowd than, than a lot of his contemporaries. And so it was uh, zero doubt that in that final group, and it was the first time since 1981 that you had a final group of a major with, with two players who had at least four major championships. I mean, this was just kind of, Almost unprecedented stuff. And it was 90 10 in favor of Phil versus Brooks fan support, wow. regardless of, of how popular Brooks is. I mean, Phil was just dwarfing him in terms of the, the, the amount of support that was carrying him to the finish line.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a, a good point. Showman. Uh, we saw it with Rory uh, at Quail and just how important having the fans back and what that meant to him and how much he missed it. Um, you know, these big name guys, they've, they're showmen, they're entertainers. And I think it's probably fair to say Phil perhaps struggled without fans out there because he might be the biggest showman of them all. You know, I mean, we know Tiger, certainly it had to feel, um, you know, Tiger and others. It, it feels weird when there's no one there, you know, I mean, you're hitting shots and no one's around you. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you get the fans back and then it's like, it fuels you again. And I think for Phil, I don't think they asked that question, but it'd be interesting to ask him, you miss the fans. I mean, I think it's fair to say, right. I mean, Mickelson is fueled by these people running out there, although it was a little unnerving to have them there, but uh, it, it means a lot for him that the, the, that he's, he's getting fueled by their energy.
1: I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I think when you look at, at all of the the big name players, they've actually mentioned that if you if you listen closely enough over the past six months, like I think back when when Brooks won in Phoenix, he said quite frankly that he's he's cocky. He he likes showing off mm-hmm. for the crowd. He likes you know thinking to himself, "Hey, you guys need to pay attention to this because because I'm about to to do something that you can't do." Like there's just that certain mentality that they have. Justin Thomas was the same way at the Players Championship. You had 10,000 fans at TPC Sawgrass. That was the most that we'd seen uh, at, a, at a major golf tournament in, in more than a year. And he was kind of, he was kind of fueled by, by their energy and support too. Rory and Quell Hollow. He said that he needed that type of boost just to kind of hone in his concentration and his focus and his desire and his motivation. Like they they need that. And Phil is, is very much in that same vein. And he always has been, I think what the the big difference, though, with Phil um, at this particular major championship that was actually kind of surprising to see is that he was grinding so hard and he was trying so intentionally to stay present and focused on each and every shot. It it, it almost didn't seem like he was allowing himself to enjoy it, Mm -hmm. like his – his jaw was clenched the entire time. He would just kind of give the perfunctory thumbs up to the crowd without ever really, you know, looking them in the eye and, and, and kind of um, having that deeper a- appreciation. And so I kind of wrote it in my, in my story for GolfShare.com on Sunday night. But when he's walking up that 18th fairway, like he made very little effort to actually move ahead of the crowd. He was, He seemed to me at least, wholly unbothered by it and and just kind of did his slow, languid pace that he'd done previously and just kind of was was soaking up the adulation because on the semi-second hole, that was really the first time all tournament that he had allowed himself to to kind of enjoy the moment and, and kind of feel that fan support that he hadn't had for so long.
0: Yeah, he was definitely in a different state. I don't think I've ever probably seen Phil like that. Um, I don't know what that completely is, whether it was complete focus or trying to get into the zone. It was a different state for sure um, as he was playing. I mean, and there was a conscious effort to the whole thing. I thought even in the press conferences afterwards, it it was a different kind of version of Phil, you know, and the way that he was interacting with the media and Answering questions and it's it, it's certainly different. You can see it, and it'll be interesting to see if he can you know continue that through. Now he's playing this week down at the, the Charles Schwab there in Colonial, and then he's going to take a couple of weeks off before he goes and tries to complete the career Grand Slam at the U.S. Open. There'll be no discussion of that, I'm sure, um, leading up to <laughs> it over the next couple of weeks. But I mean, you know, again, Ryan, am I crazy to think that this is just? I mean, for Phil to go into this golf course, right, and you walked it, and I want to ask you some things about the golf course, but, you know, he was 69th at the Wells Fargo. He hit the ball terrible. Strokes in approach, he lost 4.7. Before that, he did have a little bit of form from a ball-striking perspective. He was in the positive, slightly in approach. I do think his driving's incrementally gotten better over the last couple months but still given that to go into that course knowing Phil's nature of spraying it this makes absolutely no sense for him to win right
1: absolutely zero sense whatsoever i mean for for a guy whose career has been made out of doing the unthinkable i mean this this really defied all reasonable explanation and and i i wrote it on friday because i was i was sure that that was the last time i was going to have to write phil all week is that I'm not sure you could have picked a worse venue for him, <laughs> heading into the week. I, I mean, a golf course that has set booby traps everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's water, there's sand, there's wind, there's tall grass, there's freaking alligators if you <laughs> if you get off the fairway. I mean, there's there's just so much trouble everywhere. And this was a, a guy who's been just prone to the, the the to the foul ball in his career, and and a, a player who. Yeah, he popped up I think with the 63 or 64 at Quail Hollow a couple weeks ago, but for all intents and purposes, he was he was lost. Mm-hmm. And he's outside the top 100 in every major statistical category. Like he wasn't doing anything well, and then you put him on that golf course. That was at least to me at the end of the week. That was going to add up to a 77, 76, and an early exit back home uh, to San Diego. And yet. That's why I think to, to me, and, and obviously he he hit the ball very well. Um, and he gave a lot of credit to uh, Andrew Getzen, his swing coach. And I'm sure you can dive into the specifics of of how his swing uh, has improved a whole lot better than I can. And he gave a lot of credit, of course, uh, to his brother, Tim, who was on the bag and was really kind of keeping him focused. You know, this is a player who was outside of the top 175 on tour, strokes, Cantina Green. He was first last week at Q. Like he obviously hit the ball well. But to me, this was a, a testament to his his mental strength, to his resilience, um, and, it, and it kind of proves that these transcendent talents like Phil is—you can never really count them out because mm-hmm. he can always, always put together four days. Like they—they just—they just still have that game in them. It's just—it's more unlikely it's going to come out, and it just takes more work and effort to actually access it
0: rapsodo mobile launch monitor improve your golf swing today pro level launch data in the palm of your hand it is very accurate within two percent of a twenty thousand dollar unit the rapsodo mlm app automatically tracks stats and stores video with shot tracer helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club, Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback, data and creates a better practice environment not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable, cases about the size of a rangefinder, and you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com, R A P S O D O.com, rapsodo.com. rapsodo.com. Yeah. I mean, I I totally agree. You can't, they they can put it together for four days. And, you know, this, this state that Phil was in, it was, it's interesting. You know, I mean, he, he looked different to me, Ryan. I mean, he, he looked different in the way that he was interacting out there. Of course, the thumbs up and those things that Phil that he does, but just even afterwards, um, it's gotta be exhausting to try to, to be like that though, you know, in the heat of the battle time and time again I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how things how he looks uh, moving forward with this you know bit of a breakthrough as he called it um uh, with stretching his brain out i think that's the way he he alluded to it through meditation and some other things that he's doing the two biggest shots though you know i didn't i didn't think um phil would win here but then to step up on 15 and 16 needing to hit some big drives i mean he was kind of leaking oil a little bit um, the shot that he hit in the water was a big mistake uh, but he stepped up on 15 and he hit a big drive and he did the same thing on 16 i thought those were the two biggest shots on sunday because if those are foul balls i think we're talking about something a little bit different here perhaps what do you think
1: i i, I couldn't agree more and i think that was really the the big difference is that I mean, he was swinging just as hard as he had. He's mm-hmm. he's worked very hard all these past couple of years to to gain speed and, and make sure he's kind of keeping up with with the players in the PJ tour who are younger, stronger, faster, better, all, all of the above. I mean, he was still off balance when he was finishing those swings. The only difference was that this time they were going straight. He'd really um, locked in on on a swing key with with Andrew Getz and his swing coach, um, and and had a lot of confidence. I know that his fairway hit numbers weren't great. and I think he ended up finishing the week outside of top 50 and strokes gained off the tee. But the, I think this was also just an example of how the stats can't, can't fully tell the story. I mean, he was never significantly offline. He was never, you know, kind of wandering aimlessly among the dunes. If if he did miss the fairway, it was by just a couple of yards off the edge. And he, he very rarely drew a, a, a poor lie. It was actually Brooks Koepka who, who seemed to have, little idea where his ball was going most more likely than not it was going to go left because he couldn't get off his right side but but Phil I mean he was swinging just as hard as he had been I think on 16 he he pumped it out there 360 with 180 ball speed while kind of falling over with his with his swing and it was it was absolutely center cut and and put him in position to attack and, and make sure that his closest pursuers never got within two shots coming down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I got to, you know, I need to fall on the sword a little bit on on this podcast, and um, I I took a few DMs and direct shots, which is, you know, I I deserve, and that I I thought this, you know, bombs and hitting seeds, and, you know, it was all kind of a show, and it wasn't working, you know, like this whole experiment that Phil was taking on, and I can appreciate trying to get longer, but I just felt like when you add it all up, it's like, it's not working. I mean... He's had three top tens or three top twenties in the better part of what, two years. Um, You know, something, I think his last win back in February 17th, 2019, AT&T. And it's hard to win. I know that, but I mean, you, you start going through his tournaments, there's a ton of missed cuts. He makes the cut. He's 39, 30. I mean, he's just, he hasn't been that competitive at all. And you know so i'm just thinking to myself this isn't working i mean he's spraying the ball all over the place it's leaking into his putter a little bit and here we are you know i mean it just it's added all up a little more focus and uh he gets his six major championships so i guess uh i gotta i gotta take a i gotta eat a little crow here and that um it wasn't certainly wasn't working up to this point but here we are uh with 45 wins what can he do from here you know and all this conversation about he should be on the Ryder Cup let's slow down you know a little bit let's just let's see if Phil can maintain some consistency here a little bit of this um I'd be surprised if if he if he can I won't be I'm not not trying to be negative but um this is kind of Phil you know I mean I think at this point and it all came together for him at four days at the ocean course I want to ask you about Kiwa Island what was the, uh, what was the feel with the players of that golf course for me, Ryan, I'm looking at it. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm driving up there to play that thing. That thing is brutal.
1: Like walking the golf course. I came to the realization early on in the week, either Tuesday or Wednesday. I said, this, this might just be the least fun golf course I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it was just obscenely long. It was really windy. I know the weather forecast called for like 8 to 12 miles an hour steady wind all week there was absolutely no way that they were measuring that wind on the beach which is essentially where half this golf course is like there was just no way it was absolutely pumping all week we're all sunburn windburn, just kind of whipped from a, a difficult walking course uh as well i didn't remember it hardly at all from from nine years ago when i covered the the 2012 pga that that won in a landslide um and i actually enjoyed it um, I, I I enjoyed the test. I think the and I think more importantly, the the players did as well. Um, they they thought, and I think Kerry Hagen, the PJ of America, does arguably the best job mm-hmm. of, of any setup man in golf. Um, he did a spectacular job of of setting this golf course up at 7,800 yards. And yet, you look at the final leaderboard. I mean, you had a nearly fifty one year old uh, who won the golf tournament. You had a, a medium knocker like Lou and. You had a 49-year-old like Patrick Harrington. You had Harry Higgs. You had Bryson in the mix for a while. I mean, there was a, an interesting uh, cast of characters that I don't think, despite its absolutely obscene length, um, really favored any particular style of play. Um, and so I, I enjoyed that aspect. I enjoy second-shot golf courses. It was certainly uh, generous off the tee, and you really had to, to position yourself because there was just so much trouble and even though the greens were, were were fairly large size you have a golf course in which you're playing almost entirely into crosswinds um, that kind of shrinks the the landing areas a lot and really places a premium on distance control which i think is what what phil kind of shined through um through those 72 holes his, his iron play was 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 vintage phil mm-hmm. it looked like looked like 2004, it looked like 2006. it looked like 2010. I mean he was, he was absolutely flagging it with his irons um, in conditions that, that were that were really challenging and, and through a lot of great players for, for, for certain loops.
0: Yeah, and, and he hit shots, you know I mean I think that's the, the non-technical aspect of the game that I appreciate. Um, he hit shots, you know it's not technical and he's not trying to get in positions. he's reacting. The shot on 10 was ridiculous. Back left pin, and he hits a little draw in there off of the bunker, and I'm just like, my goodness, what a shot that was. Uh, Made a little mistake there coming in with the ball in the water. Um, But, yeah, you're right. The iron game was good. The driver, just for me, with Phil, that's the difference. When you can keep it in play like he did. I mean, no one was hitting a tremendous amount of fairways. But he didn't have the big foul balls. I was waiting for it down the stretch, just like I was with Louis. We did see it with Louis, that shot to the right. It creeps in, no one's surprised. Um, but he played well. You're, 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 you make good points there on the leaderboard. Uh, Louis Kepka tied for second. Padraig, where the hell did he come from? Lowry, Higgs, Casey tied for fourth. Answer shoots 65 on Sunday. Uh, he's T8 with Rose, Morikawa, Rom, Zalatoris, Scheffler. Finau, Fowler, Strillman. There's Finau, another top 10. Good to see Fowler playing well once again, but I want to go back up to Brooks. Um, You know, I think a little bit of a surprise with Brooks, not as much, and we know Brooks shows up for the PGA, but I didn't think he was moving that much better a week ago on the knee. He comes in, hits the ball better, uh, couldn't get the putter going on Sunday. I want to ask you this with Brooks, So as you're walking the the fairways, and, you know, you're around these tournaments. You said it was 90-10 Phil over Brooks. These two guys, you know, they're, they're very different. I mean, Phil, at least on the outside looking in, seems more approachable. He's certainly more articulate. He seems to show more personality. He smiles. He puts his thumbs up. He acknowledges where Brooks is, you know, kind of, he's the, he's the jock, right? He's, he's more inward. Um, you know, he's not smiling. Uh, he certainly tips his cap. He does acknowledge when people are clapping, but he doesn't seem as approachable. I think he can be, uh, a bit standoffish, you know, in the press room and, you know, not talk down to people, but you know, kind of be the, I don't know what the word is, but you, you know what I'm saying between Brooks and Phil, they're, they're very different. Um, when it comes to the approachability part of both of them, what is the perception, just from the fan standpoint, out there in the tournament, uh, when people are following Brooks? Do you feel like he has his own contingency of people, or do you think people are kind of are kind of um, kind of turned off a little bit by who he is at times?
1: So there was certainly a a surliness to Brooks um, last week in Well, that that was abnormal for for even Brooks in the majors like obviously he he views these four weeks a year as the, the benchmarks for his season it's how he's going to be judged in his career and so there's a kind of a smoldering intensity he's, he's very um he's very short with the with the media he, he can be condescending at times
0: Um, he, he clearly
1: tries, he, he he clearly tries very hard to project this tough guy image. And and look, if you look at his record, like he can, he can back it up. He's roughly 60 shots better in the majors since 2017 than anyone else during that span. Like he's, he's, he's earned that reputation to be this try hard in, in the majors. And he is very much the alpha and the guy to beat. Um, but, but even last week, I, I thought there was just even more shrilliness than, than, than usual. I'm not sure what kind of prompted that. Um, it, it certainly seemed like at Augusta National, when he, he came back for the Masters, um, he, he, he rushed back to return basically to prove to himself that he could do it. And then here at the PGA Championship, I think he was trying to prove to everyone else that he could beat them even basically on just one good leg. And so I think that's that's partly um, responsible for, for a, a Brooks that that was kind of even more bullying than, than usual. But over the first two days, he he played the first two rounds with Roy McElroy and Justin Thomas. I mean, he was every bit as popular as as Rory was, um, which I found a little bit surprising. Yeah. I think, I think most, I think I, I maybe I can't say most fans. I think a lot of fans do enjoy the Brooks that, that frankly just doesn't care. Like he doesn't care what you think of him. He doesn't care what you're going to throw at him. He doesn't care care what you're going to write, what you're going to say on air. Like he's just going to come out and beat you. And there's, there's very much that, that jock swagger that, that he uses that, that a lot of people who, when you pay attention to other sports, that's not all that uncommon. It's certainly uncommon in golf where players are a lot more accommodating. They seem to have a wider perspective. They, they realize that it's just golf and there's you know something to be said for also finishing second in these tournaments. And, and Brooks very much has adopted the, the opposite mindset with that. Um, but I, he certainly has support. It was just a matter of when you get him in a situation where he's also playing with, with Phil Mickelson, like it, it's just, he just wasn't going to have that, that wave of support and enthusiasm for him that, that he would have with, with other, with other groups.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's well said. You know, I, I think it's, um, I I like watching Brooks. Um, and I, and I think he's, I I love the different personalities of the game for sure. I I love the, the range that we, that we have. And I like that he puts it out there. You know, the question was, is really, you know, more from, the feel of the fans out there because he certainly does have <clears throat> that following for sure and uh, I, I do think he he rubs people the wrong way sometimes you know when he's standing in there and it is a bit condescending I think that is the word um but yeah you, you put him up against a Phil you put him up against a tiger the insignificance I think of some of these bigger names in the game and just even Rory when he was standing there with Tiger in the fairway at 18 it's like that's Rory McIlroy and the insignificance of Rory because of Tiger it's crazy I mean Tiger and Phil are still the two biggest names in golf I mean it's 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 just crazy to, and then we can all argue who's after that Spieth Rory I think it's probably Spieth. Um, <clears throat> but here we are 2021 they still reign and Tiger's Tiger's got to be motivated a little bit more now doesn't he
1: God, you would you would think so him him <clears throat> sitting watching at home feeling, watching Phil doing what he's doing at, at age 50 you would think that would that would light a little bit of, of fire under him and and look i thought just to kind of wrap this on on brooks like i thought that putting brooks in that arena in the final group with phil knowing that knowing that he wasn't the fan favorite i really thought that that would have ins- inspired him to do something incredible I mean, he is – Brooks has, has vanquished basically every big-name player in the sport over the past four years. He's, he's trounced Dustin Johnson at times. He beat Tiger at Bell Reeve. I mean, he's shoved Rory in a locker in, on, on occasion. I mean, he's beaten anybody and everybody. And, and it was kind of easy to envision a scenario in which every time he heard a Phil cheer – you know he just kind of added to that chip that was on his already broad shoulder like it was <laughs> it was easy to see that he was going to go out and shoot 68 and just kind of squash that sentimental storyline of, of old man Mickelson trying to win a major like i i don't think he, I, th- I i do think he would have absolutely delighted in that possibility and yet he just he just kind of shrank from the moment just like he he shrank from the moment if you remember at Harding park when he was taking shots at Dustin Johnson mm-hmm. saying he only had one major championship and then he ended up barely finishing inside the top 30 after a, a dismal Sunday. And so, um, you know, Brooks is never going to be a universally beloved figure. Um, but I do think that he has the respect of golf fans, but there there's very few players in golf that would have elicited the type of reaction that we saw on the 72nd hole with fans streaming in the 18th fairway. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's tiger. It's Phil and it's maybe, maybe a Rory and a Jordan. Maybe.
0: Yeah. I think it's a close, I think it's a distance, you know, it's very, it's distant. I mean, just seeing the insignificance of Rory with tiger there was crazy. You know, when, when it happened with tiger coming up, um, there at, in atlanta so yeah a lot to a lot to take in i'm still i'm just still shocked that we're still we're talking about phil mickelson i would love to ask him the question what are you more surprised at winning at tbc sawgrass or kiwa island he'd probably have to think about it you know as far as how he won at both of those courses um, with his game and well the tour rolls on they'll be at charles Schwab. we've got the u.s open coming up in a few weeks and then the open championship We got the Olympics. We got the Ryder Cup. We're just kind of getting started here um, in the super season. A lot of golf uh, still to play. And uh, I appreciate your time, Ryan. Drive safe. And I'll see you here in Ponte Vedra soon. Sounds great, man. Great to be with you on the podcast. All right, buddy. Thanks again. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team. In Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter weighted designs, use of high density particles, and even a nano transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.